When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey out there, rock and rollers. Welcome to the 97th edition of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. And we appreciate you tuning in to listen to me, Mac B, the wolf, American expat, living just off Abbey Road and other places in Europe. He likes to talk about classic rock, hard rock, prog rock, heavy metal, early MTV with his partner in crime, Gary Action Jackson on the East Coast of the USA. And I hope to goodness that you heard last week's show. Last week's show was amazing. We had on Guy Pratt and Gary Kemp of the Rock On Tours and Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets, who are currently on their U.S. tour, the Echoes Tour, doing the music of Pink Floyd from the beginning, from the 60s, from the UFO Club, all pre-Dark Side of the Moon tunes. And I saw them play in London at Royal Albert Hall. You can hear our episode on that on 75. But Gary and Guy are great. They have a fantastic show. They have fantastic chemistry. They're amazing musicians. They're just good interviewers and good interviewees. And we had a lot of fun with them promoting their tour. And so you can check out episode 96 in case you missed it. But hopefully you're checking out Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets on their U.S. tour. And you know at this point that you can win an exclusive VIP experience. Thanks to us at Ugly American Werewolf and... Pantheon Podcast. All you got to do is go to pantheonpodcast.com backslash Nick Mason and you can enter to win this VIP experience, which includes two front row seats to see Nick and the boys and Guy and Gary doing this incredible music. And now you can go to ticketmaster.com to get most tickets. I know the show we're going to be at in Indianapolis on October 14th. Those tickets are available through Ticketmaster. So go get the tickets and then come out and see us. Then enter to win. And hopefully uh, you'll get an amazing experience, get to see him up close, get some good goodies from Nick and the gang. Now this week, we're going to be doing a review of an album that's turning 30 years old. One that was big for me in action in college, and that's Keith Richards' Main Offender. I know what you're saying. 1993, you were into Keith Richards? Wasn't everybody into Allison Chains and Stone Temple Pilots and awaiting Hootie and the Blowfish to come on the scene? And for most of our kids our age, the answer was yes, but Gary and I were kind of old school. I mean, even back then, we kind of tilted to the older generation. We loved 60s and 70s rock. We liked the stuff we grew up on in the 80s, but we knew that there was great stuff from the 60s and 70s that maybe we missed out when it was conceived or when it was first played on the radio, but that doesn't mean it's not good. And having the Stones reform uh, for Steel Wheels in 1989 was huge for us because that allowed us to see our few first, not only Stones show, but big stadium show. Uh, and give us kind of the bug to make sure we go out and see big-time bands and big-time shows whenever we get the chance. Now, this was his second solo album. He did talk as cheap before Steel Wheels, and it was, you know, there's some jabs at Mick in there, and it's a pretty good record, but he brought everybody back to do Main Offender. And I don't know, it just kind of hit when we were in college. They actually played it on rock radio. Wicked as it seems was a killer, killer track on there. Uh, and so we, uh, we wanted to review it on its 30th anniversary. Now, point of fact... This is one that's been on the shelf for a while. Keith released a 30th anniversary edition back in March, and I ordered it from Amazon, and it took a few days to get there, so we kind of missed our window on when we were going to record and then release that, and then, I don't know, special things started to happen. We started to have a lot of great guests on the show. I started to go into a lot of concerts that demanded we put the live reviews right out, and so it sat on the shelf for a little while. So we're talking about things at the beginning of the show that have already come to pass at this point. We're talking in, like, March about things that were happening in March of 2022. And I didn't know at that point that I was going to go see the Rolling Stones again for the seventh and eighth time in Hyde Park uh, at British Summertime in Hyde Park twice this summer. So you got to kind of get through the first couple minutes of that saying, hey, isn't it great? The Winos just did a show in New York. But the bottom line is it's a great album and we review it and we review the, the live disc that kind of came with the deluxe, the deluxe edition. And don't worry, I'm not mad at Amazon. And please, by all means, 
continue to subscribe and download uh, to The Ugly American Werewolf on Amazon Music. I know I do. Now, on to a little bit of business. We are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast family. As you know, we're sponsoring Nick Mason's Saucerful of Secrets U.S. Tour, and we always give shout-outs to the folks we've had on our show or been on theirs, including Paul Stevenson of Vintage Rock Pod and This Day Rocks, uh, including Tom and Zeus of the Kiss Kings, on the Shout It Out Loudcast, including DJ Scott in Chicago for the Hook Rocks and Christy Alexander Hallberg for Rock Is Lit. And we have to thank our incredible sponsors, RareVinyl.com. Guys, Rare Vinyl has been doing this for 40 years, collecting, curating, maintaining, and shipping vintage rock records, whether it's LPs, EPs, CDs, 45s, tour programs, whatever it is. They have over a quarter of a million items in stock. And if you use the code PODCAST, P-O-D-C-A-S-T, you can save 10% off all of your orders. Not just the first order, but every order you make. And I know that there are people who are going to see Saucer Full of Secrets, who might want a classic Pink Floyd or first edition, maybe a tour program, whatever it is. Go to rarevital.com or EIL.com, their sister site. Use PODCAST, save 10%. Now back to Keith. I don't know if we're ever really going to see Keith and the Winos tour again. It's something I would absolutely love. I know there are a lot of fans out there who would. But I don't know if it's actually going to happen, folks. It just seems like he might as well just keep the stones going. I mean, if they're not going to stop after Charlie passes away, they're probably never going to stop until either Mick or Keith pass away or just physically can't do it anymore. But I'd love to see it. I know Jackson would love it. And hopefully you listen to some of these tunes, listen to these records, you'll see the value in having a Keith and a Winos tour out there. So... Why don't you do that? Why don't you kick back, listen to Main Offender, listen to what we have to say about it. We're going to talk about Keith Richards' Main Offender 30th Anniversary Edition here on The Wolf. Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com pantheon. Buyraycon.com pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There's actually a lot going on in Keith Richards' world right now. Like, over the last month, a lot has been happening with old Mr. Keith. No slowing down at 78, I guess, Jackson. No. No, it doesn't look like he has plans to do that and still has the passion to keep going after all this time. So cool to see. Of course, Keith is renowned Rolling Stones guitarist, written all the songs with Mick, bit of a rock on tour in his day. A lot of people never thought he would make it this long. So I guess, you know, you got to keep going. Right? You can't just say, okay, that's it, I'm done. Well, and I think that's, I was thinking about this the other day. They're now announcing a whole other leg of the tour, I guess. I, I guess it's the same tour. It's going to be in Europe. It doesn't seem like they're slowing down at all, but it, it's, they don't need the money. 
Okay, that's not what we're doing here. They just love to perform live. They love to go out there. They love to be in front of the crowd and entertain. Yeah, it's just something that he's never lost the passion for. And and I think it really kind of comes out on this record too. I don't want to say more than talk is cheap, but this just seems to have a different vibe to it than that record. Well, yeah, and we can we'll we can get all into that for sure here momentarily. But you know, he and the Winos just got together for a benefit in New York this month as we're saying this they played three tunes together they went in it was the beacon for the love rocks benefit and you know all the guys were there i mean i think charlie drayton is now bob dylan's bass player so he wasn't there but ivan neville steve jordan of course waddy wachtel they went out and they played 999 and they played uh you got the silver one of our favorites from let it bleed and played mm-hmm. before they made me run so you know it's kind of like the first time they really played together in 30 years um so for a minute there I was hopeful, hey, does that mean we might get a Winos tour? And then I'm like, no, he's just going to tour with the Stones, man. I mean, it's just bigger crowds. You say the money doesn't matter. He's like, yeah, but if you're going to do it, might as well make millions at it rather than than well, thousands. Well, that right? is true. <laughs> yeah. Although, you know, the, I, I, you're right. I doubt it'll ever happen. But now that Steve is in the band, the, I mean, he's in the Rolling Stones. Right. I mean, you never know. They'd be, they're touring together. You may get a one-off. Who knows if they come to? Because, you know, they always would do that thing on the tours where they'd have the one night in wherever, like Miami. Right. They did, I think, on the Steel Wheels tour where Eric Clapton was there and they had a whole bunch of guest stars. Who knows? Maybe they'd get everybody together and do something when it was convenient in London, in New York. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Who knows? We'll see. Can always Fingers be hopeful. crossed. Yes, exactly. Don't know about that, but hey, there's always hope. Of course, Bobby Keys and Sarah Dash are no longer with us, but they could still do it. And, you know, people like us would die for it. They're hardcore Stones and hardcore Keith fans who would die to see that. But in addition to, like, to that, so he's released this 30th anniversary, including like a super uber deluxe box set for hundreds of dollars that even I, huge Keith Richards fan that I am, didn't ever really seriously consider getting. But I'm I'm glad they have the the re-release here with the uh with the original album and live tracks from London from the Town and Country Club 30 years ago this year in December, right on Keith and Bobby Key's birthday. We've talked before and I've I've been doing work on my time machine. It's getting there, making progress every day. This will be on the docket of things to go and see. This concert in 92, it just sounded like everybody's firing on all cylinders. It's a great it's, it's a great set list that they have on here. I mean, when you look, there's only one. There's only one? There's only one Rolling Stones song here that's not a Keith song, which give me shelter. Right. So it's, it really is a showcase for him and his his songwriting and his the music that he played within the band and then his solo stuff. So yeah, I can only imagine it was it was just a great show to see and I'm sorry we missed it, but that was a long time ago and we were not quite as into seeing shows as we are now as far as go like I mean if it get, I don't think they ever came to Orlando like no, that didn't. way. Yeah, that's right. And we weren't going to fly to London around Christmas by ourselves. As much as I would have liked to, but no. <laughs> right, you know, when we were sophomores in college or whatever that was. <laughs> that just wasn't going to happen. But they did tour America, you know, in 93 a bit. And I think I've seen a video that was maybe aired in Japan that you can get a DVD like on eBay or something like that. I think they may have been in Boston or something like that. At any rate, I- I've seen a little bit of them doing this live and... I was hoping that was going to be in one of these packages. It didn't seem to make it. I don't know if they didn't have the rights to it or it wasn't really up to snuff or whatever it was. But I don't. I feel like if you're really going to do an uber super extra deluxe box set, you got to have some kind of video, right? You got to have some kind of DVD or something of them doing it. Maybe have the videos, the official videos included in it, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, that was. You're right. That was a lot of money to charge for the the super super deluxe set. I'm good with the two CDs. Yeah. The picture in it are great yeah um, I like the fact that that it's it's got some it, more kind of like behind the scenes stuff yeah it's got some lyrics like that obviously he wrote yeah. on pieces of paper and mm-hmm. envelopes and stuff like that but, and speaking of that he was on CBS this morning because he's like yes the Stones have a new European tour and Keith and the Winos just got together for the first time in basically 30 years. And now there's this 30th anniversary thing coming up. And so he was on there. And I don't know, it's about seven minutes long, the whole thing. I'm listening to him for the first couple of minutes. And his voice is not that raspy. 
It's like it's cleared up somehow like that. I also know his teeth are very white. Now, that's not a big deal. All celebrities like whiten their teeth. Not a big deal. I should probably look into it. Um, but I noticed that. And then, you know, he kind of goes into, you know, Keith certainly was a bit of a, you know, a carouser back in his day. But he's given up all his vices, including one that he had for a long time. And they talked about how he had quit smoking for about two years. Now, that okay. was a shock to me. Because as we've spoken about, I believe on this show, smoking is horrible for you. And it's the worst thing you can absolutely do for your health. You should not smoke cigarettes. However, if you've been doing it for 60 years, you better not quit because your body is way too dependent on it. And all sorts of horrible things could happen to you, you know. But he sounded so much better. Just talking, you know, he wasn't wheezing or wasn't, you know, all that noise that would come out afterwards. And they even asked Steve Jordan about it. He's like, is this singing better? He's like, yeah, he's singing, you know, back in original key now. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if that's the case. And he even admitted, yeah, look, I've got like 10 times more wind on stage now that I'm not smoking anymore. I'm like, how about that? That Unfortunately, it, it looks really cool. Like to have a cigarette and there are thousands of pictures of Keith Richards with, you know, the cigarette either in his mouth, in his hand, you know, Mm -hmm. it it was synonymous with him, but you're right. It's just an awful habit. Don't do it. It it just, yeah. And, and, and I have talked to people who smoke for a long time and they're like, yeah, you don't, you just kind of get used to it. You get used to that, you know, just having the crud on you all the time and then you stop and it's, why didn't I do this a long time ago? Because it was just a part of your life. Yeah, I bet Patty is so psyched. Their homes must smell so much better now. <sighs> Their cars? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. No, but he, you know, he had some good stuff on there. He's talking about how losing Charlie was uh, you know, a little bit of a surprise. Like, he didn't know quite how sick he was. And Charlie, mm-hmm. I guess, didn't want to make a fuss. You know, a little bit of an Irish goodbye. Like, nah, I'm just going to go here for, you know, you keep on and, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah, because when they had that when they had that press release, that's what it was. Oh, you know, no big deal. He'll be back. Just taking a couple of, I don't even know if they said months, couple, you know, some time off or something. And then it was like, oh yeah, he passed. He's gone. Yeah. So yeah, that's, I mean, that's rough because it's been so long together. I mean, since the, since they were kids, yeah. basically. 60 years. I mean, you know, you look <laughs> back there, Charlie never missed a gig. For 60 years, you look back there, he's always there. And then you turn around. Yeah. Steve Jordan's your friend and he's great, but it's, you know, mm-hmm. It's different. And he, he talked about that a little bit. He he sounded so good and he seemed like he felt good. And uh, I don't know. It was, I was glad to see him like that and, and looking forward to the future. He said he's been writing with, with Steve and Mick and, you know, maybe we'll get a new Stones record. You know, we're all psyched for the European tour and going to see him here in Hyde Park with hundreds of thousands of other people. And it's going to be, uh, it should be a great year for Keith and the Stones. Yeah, I was interested because when, when, I saw that the other day about how they released a note or something about how they were working on a new record with Steve Jordan. And then I got to thinking, yeah, he did a lot of work on the Keith Richards, both of these records. Mm-hmm. Will the Stones record sound different now? When it, if, if he's involved, more involved, I don't know. it would be interesting to see. I think so. And so, yeah, exactly. And that's why I'm anxious to now, to now see, to hear it and to see it, you know, and then I always thought I wouldn't go see them if Charlie wasn't with them, but I'm here and it's Hyde Park. So we don't have to be way up close. You know, I can take my daughter and we can go sit under a tree really far away, or we can mosey up into the mass of weirdos or, you know, however we want to do it. Um, but yeah, I want to, I do want to hear how Steve sounds live with him. I, not that Charlie ever lost a step, not even an inch, but let's just hear how it swings differently. Right. Yeah. And if there was anybody that could come in and, and it not replace him, but fill in, I guess is the way I like to think about it. Yeah. It is Steve Jordan because he's, he plays this kind of music. He and Keith have played together for so long that they, he's almost like, he was almost kind of a, a part of the circle mm-hmm. or extended circle of the band. So yeah, it's not just some random person that they got. It's, it's somebody who's been around for a while. Yeah, absolutely. No, he's great. So hopefully, well, I don't have to hope. Go and see him. Can't wait. Hi, I'm Amanda Lehman and you're listening to Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcasts. Let's get into main offender of the reissue here. You're right. I mean, there's a lot of great pictures of Keith in here and of the band, the guys, plus Sarah. And, you know, has uh, the kind of notes, you know, you want to know who played what on every song. And 
these are all co-written with Steve. And then, you know, Waddy's in on some and Charlie's got some writing credits. They kind of give some to, to everybody on a couple of these or to a bunch of folks, including Sarah. I don't know. Listening to it again, we, we wore this out in 1992 or 1993. I was kind of really buying it to get the live London show, right? Because they didn't really give us any bonus studio tracks or anything right. in this. So I was like, you know, I've got it, but I, you know, obviously I want to get the concert. I don't know. What did you think about listening to it for the first time in probably a while? Well, I want to start at the beginning here. And I've said before that I'm not a huge fan usually of the album cover where it's just a picture, but this is the, the exception exception to the rule because this is a really cool picture. And if there's anybody that's cooler than Keith Richards in the world of rock and roll, I don't know them. So it's just, yeah, it's just Fair right enough. off the bat. It's just... It's just this mean looking like get away from me or I'm going to punch you in the face picture of him. It's half dark, half light, black and white. It's just a really, a really intense picture, a really cool way to start off. I always kind of thought on this one, it was just a different vibe. In 87, he put out Talk is Cheap to make a statement. I can do this by myself. I don't need Mick. I can I can get a group of people together, right. put out a record. I think at that point in time, that was going to be it. I mean, I really think the Stones were done in 1987. And so this was going to be his, his next phase of his career was going to be the solo stuff. Didn't happen. They got back together in 89, had a huge tour. So this was more like a more relaxed, like, let's just get, let's just jam. Let's just, we don't have to prove anything. Right. We don't have, this is just a break. This is not the main gig. So yeah, I, in a way I like talk is cheap better, but in a way I like this one better because it's, it's just, it just feels like it's looser. It feels like it's just like, Hey, what do you want to play next? Okay. Let's play this song. Just kind of a jam with it's called, they call themselves the expensive winos, but really it should be Keith Richards and friends. Cause that's what it is. Like, you know, remember you saw that video of him in Jamaica yeah, where he's hanging out at his house and he just has dudes over just playing, just hanging out. Playing. That's what this feels like. It just feels like they're hanging around, they're playing. I always found it interesting, too, that a lot of times when you see big guy, big people from big bands have solo records, they, there's always like, like even Robert Plant would have Jimmy Page on a couple of tracks, you know, it would kind of seep back in. Right. On this one, except for Sarah Dash. It's it's there are no Rolling Stones on this record. That's right. Until now, of course. You know, because it's well, yeah, until yeah, right, until yeah. now. retroactively, yes. Right, but back yeah. then, no. So yeah, this to me, this was just more relaxed, more of just a just let's have a good time making this record. Well, I agree with you there. I, I connect with it more just because I didn't get Talk Is Cheap when it came out. I did get the live at the Hollywood Palladium because mm-hmm. it was awesome and had connection on it. But I remember this one just because we were in college and we listened to it so much and all the stuff that we did, you know, sophomore year, <laughs> you know, this was a big soundtrack for it. So just, just remember our friends then and all the time we had out in the sun and, and in the dorm and, and cranking this a lot. At that point, we're just so into the Stones anyway. Like we're in this huge Stones <laughs> phase and Keith's still making new stuff. It was on the radio. They actually played this on like the rock radio station, which was great. So that that's my connection to it. But you're right. I mean, Talk is Cheap was like, all right, now I'll go out and show you I can make a band too. But it's like, well, I got this great band. Why do I want to give them up? You know, just because we had a big Stones tour. That's great. Awesome. Get me back with my boys again. But after 1993, they never really played together again. Because after that, it was like, yeah, okay. Obviously, the Stones are back together and we make a ton of money and the stages are amazing and we can get guest stars whenever we want and it's all six stars and that's not five star even you know (laughs) we get whatever we want we make a ton of money we can do these huge shows we can play anywhere in the world and that's kind of what they've been focusing on for the last really 30 years I was always hopeful that all right you're gonna take a few years off you can just take the winos out right just take them out for a spin but uh, it hasn't happened so far Hi, I'm Paul Stevenson from Vintage Rock Pod, and you're listening to The Ugly American Werewolf in London. Thanks, Paul. And for all you Stones fans out there, you need to know that this is actually our eighth show about the Rolling Stones. You can go back in our history and listen to a lot of great shows about the Rolling Stones and about Keith, namely episode 16, where we review Steel Wheels. Episode 22, where we review Talk is Cheap and Main Offender, and Keith as the lead singer in The Stones. Show number 41 was our Charlie Watts tribute and the Let It Bleed review. Episode 45 featured an interview with Kurt Angelides, a photographer who has photographed The Stones for almost 50 years. Number 59 
was Exile on Main Street as it approached its 50th anniversary. And show 83 was my review of the Stones in Hyde Park, my first Stone show in more than a decade and the first for the Wolf Cub. And show 84 was about my second outing to Hyde Park to see the Rolling Stones again where they did mix up the set list and I was glad I had the chance to see them again. So download and subscribe wherever you get them, Stones fans. And now back to our show on Keith's Main Offender at 30. I was kind of thinking what we could do is we could go over the live show, since that's the new part. And obviously, okay. it's got most of the album on it. We did touch it last year on our just Keith Richards, when we did Talk Is Cheap, Main Offender, together, and his singing in the Stones. And then we can maybe talk about the ones that didn't make it onto this live bit. Absolutely. It's 12 tracks. I think it's. I think they're, they have a good mix of the old and the new and yeah. throwing in some stone stuff also. So I think that if you if you really weren't familiar with the Keith Richards catalog, I don't know why you would have been there, but if you were, you would have had a good time because they did play songs that you would have known anyway from the Stones years. Right, I, I'm with you. I was thinking, you know, for Keith fans who like really appreciate these two records, this would have been a great night for you. If you were just there because you wanted to hear a couple of old Stones tunes, you did get a couple, and I hope you liked them. You should have. And there's some that they played played that didn't end up on the record. I go back and look at the set list. There's 12 songs on the record. There's There are 19 uh, on these two nights at the Town and Country. And they're all the same songs, though they did mix up the order a little bit from one night to the other. But it, it started off, the first five songs from both nights were on the record. You know, So they kind of took those first five. And then they jumped around a little bit, but then they took about 10 songs off. And including Time is on My Side, which I believe was on Live at the Palladium. So they didn't need to double up on that one. As okay. far as, right, you know. They did do Happy on both. They did He did Connection again, which is so awesome live. But again, they decided let's not put that on you know the, the new live bit. Let's put you know as many of the new ones on there or the ones associated with his record on there. Plus, of course, the opening track, Take It So Hard. Is this is this your favorite song on all the on the two Keith records or or is it no. close? No? No, it, it's close. I mean, my favorite song is "Struggle," and I, I just, I just love the way it. I love the way it sounds. I was always a big fan of that. From the, they did a Saturday Night Live appearance where they played that, uh, and I think you don't move me was the other one when "Talk Is Cheap" came out. Okay. I do love this song though. It's just a great way to start the start the live part off. It's I can't help but thinking when I hear that that "Talk Is Cheap" record was a big kind of just dig at Mick Jagger, right? And so "Take It So Hard" is just like, yeah, you know what? Man, you shouldn't take it so hard, Mick. Mick, right? But uh, no, it's a great song, great way to start off. It's just a great jam. Yeah. Uh, and, and the other thing I like, too, is they, they extend out a lot of these songs. True. This was four, well, 415 is not that long, but still, it just sounds good. It sounds, you know, you kind of get the you get the motor running on the show. One that, it, I mean, again, if you're not super familiar, I think that was on the radio back in the day. So you should know this track. Yeah, no, and a big, big, fat opening Keith riff, you know, to, to kind of mm-hmm. start it off. You know, it's just his guitar out there. The bass is up front. Charlie's kind of big. They got him up in the mix big time on this, I feel like. Maybe not as polished as it was when they were at the Palladium, because that's like their their new big hit track song, or the one he's kind of kicking it all off with. So maybe they're a little more, I don't know, focused on this has got to be the one people hear. But I mean, you're right. Great way to... to start off the show i think they start off both tours that way if i'm not mistaken yeah uh, yeah and then it goes into 999 which is the first song off of main offender is 999 666 upside down jackson oh, interesting i mean what else would you be saying with that uh, odd i like this song it's not that i didn't like it on the record but you can hear now what it was supposed to be. These songs are made to be played live, so you hear like, yeah, this is a really good... I mean, the, the lyrics are kind of like, eh. You know, you right. just, they're just kind of on there to make it not an instrumental, but no, it's, that's a great live track. It's a groove. You can tell they're in this pocket together, and they do stretch it out a little bit, I feel like. Yeah. You know, like you were talking about, they play some of these a little longer, because yeah, these are born out of jams, and if you know the guys get into a groove, then it's just... Keith putting his accents over it, you know, with the guitar. I'm like, yeah, let him let him do that, you know. So I, I'm with you. Of course, I was trying to get to Wicked as it seems and Eileen and, and some of the next songs. I, I think I remember after we listened to it a couple dozen times, eh, just skip over 999 and and let's get into Wicked as it seems. But live, yeah, yeah it's it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. And Wicked as it seems, it was a great track. 
like it was a, it was a cool because I think that was the first single that came off and it's yep. great live. It's a little it, it's a little I want to say it's a little slow. Like I don't know if yeah. So all right, it's a great key song though. It's a great key song. You're right. The studio track did seem better, and I, part of that I feel was like the backup on "It's Not Enough." It's yeah. not enough. It was a little muddled a little bit at in this live bit. And I'm like that that's, I mean, it's, it's a cool and important part of the song and it's just not quite the same. I did like what Waddy was doing on it, kind of, you know, sliding around, making some good noise in the background with Keith was kind of hitting hammer on the chords, mm. but they, you know, it's, they let Keith noodle a little bit on the solo to the studio version. Yeah. Because that was the big hit and we heard it on the radio and I think it's a tight, awesome Keith song, but you know, when they, they, they wrap it up with it, not enough and that's it. Still, we would have died to see it live. Back well, yeah, of course. Day, we would have yes. freaked out. So you know, it's not as good a studio. Who cares? You know, it's uh, he's got to play it, and they did fine with it. But then, but that's a little bit kind of a dark song. How I wish is more of a light, happy, brighter mm. major key song. You know, and I've I've always liked this one. Love, love this song. But this one might be a little slow versus the record. Yeah, and, and it sounds too like almost like they had to include it. You know, they well, you know, we gotta have songs from the first record. We gotta have songs. So yeah, put this one on there. This is not my favorite. I mean I like it on the record. I don't really know if I love it in this live version. Really? Because I yeah, thought it was tight after Wicked, which was, you know, had a little looseness to it. I thought that this one was a little bit tighter. Yeah, slower, but okay. they were more on it this time. At least that's what I heard. Okay. I will give you that. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's just I kind of, at this point in the show, I kind of wanted to be rocking a little more. I don't know, maybe if they put it in a different spot, it would have, it would have seemed a little different to me. All right, well, that's that's fair. That's an interesting take. That's why we uh, have you on this show, Jackson, to, give, <laughs> to disagree with me and uh, say, no, that's not what it is, man. Let me tell you what it is. Nah, you're wrong. All right. Well, I love it. Studio is probably better, but I, I like it a lot. And then here comes the surprise, as far as I'm concerned. It doesn't, sh- like, on the first live album, when they did Time's On My Side, but really it's Sarah doing it. And, you know, you do Connection, you do Happy, you do Before Me, Make Me Run. Yeah, those are those are Keith's songs, right? But Gimme Shelter's not a Keith song. And it's kind of the one song, especially at that time in my life, if somebody asked me, what's the best Rolling Stones song ever? I'd say, Gimme Shelter. It's just my favorite. It's got that haunting melody at the beginning of it and it's about all sorts of crazy stuff it's and it's got a groove to it it's so good it surprised me to see it on here or on the set list back in the day but i gotta tell you it's different than what you get with the stones but i really like it yeah i think it's it's one of those deals where if you said well what's he gonna play okay here's the set list and give me shelter Mm, that's that's probably not gonna work that's gonna be weird it's too it's an it's an iconic stone song you know it's mick jagger it all the way right but yeah you're right it works it's just different it's like a, it's like he doesn't try and be mick jagger he just sings it in his own way and it and it works it's just like that nasty gravelly voice that he's got well obviously he's got it doesn't work well he's got sarah there to do right the bit in the middle so you might as well utilize her for that right correct yeah correct she's amazing Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And, 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 can, and, and it totally works. It totally works. You're right. And and it's I feel like you can hear the guitar more clearly at the beginning than you typically did with the Stones when they were playing okay. it back in the day. And you because know, it, it has to have a little bit of a ring to it. But it's I feel like especially in a stadium that can get blurred a little bit. I, I thought it was more clear. And obviously he sings it a little differently than Mick does. He doesn't sing it the way it is in the album. He doesn't sing it. You know he kind of does it his own way. Also I thought it had more of a steady beat. Then a charging beat. There's a little bit of a charge huh. here, I feel like, okay. on, on it with the stones. You know, because, there's, you know, we're talking about rape and murder and, you know, violent stuff going on. So it's got to have something to it. But I don't know. At the end or towards the end, when, when Sarah and Keith are kind of jamming together, she's singing, he's jamming. I do think it picks up the pace and it gets into more of a charge. Mm-hmm. Which is typically what they the way they do it, in my opinion. And it's interesting too because when Mick does it, he's not playing any instruments, so he's kind of you know he's kind of doing his dancing thing around. So I think with Keith singing the the lead and playing the guitar, it yeah, it kind of it almost like it steadies it a little bit because you don't have the you know you don't have the vamping on stage right and also because this is a smaller place like there there just isn't there isn't a whole lot of room to move around so you it, it is kind of more focused 
is what it sounds like. Yeah, so, I mean, pretty cool that they did it. And you know, with Sarah, it makes it magical. And, look, I'm never going to turn down a shot to hear another way to hear Gibby Shelter, especially when Keith mm-hmm. is involved. So I'm glad it's on there. I'm glad they put it on the record. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting an interesting choice, but he makes it work. And, you know, that's one of the things we talked about before on the other show about how does he have the greatest voice in rock and roll? No, he does not. But he has the greatest voice for Keith songs. Like all of these songs really sound like if somebody else sang, like if Mick sang any of these songs, yeah, I don't like this at all. This is weird. But his his he can write songs for himself yes. that utilize his voice very well. That's right. It doesn't all have to be for Mick. And sometimes Mick's like, oh, that's a good one. And he's like, yeah, well, you can't have that one. That one's for me. <laughs> <laughs> now, to this point in the show, I mean, you know, this was the same, basically. And then, you know, they, they did Live to Root, which is an old Stones cover, but kind of a reggae mm-hmm. thing. Uh, Big Enough, which was off Talk is Cheap, Running Too Deep, which is off of Main Offender here, and Yap Yap which I like. And then, we, you know, they get into Time is on My Side. And on the 18th, they actually, they broke into Happy Birthday to You for Keith because it is his birthday, uh, which is cool. <laughs> and, I, and they actually stick that in at the end of Happy, which we'll get to here in a minute. But, but then they come in with Hate It When You Leave, which I've always liked. It's all the, it's this very mellow tune that comes on the record. It's this, what, sixth song? It's after Body Talks. So it would have been like a second side song. It's a very mellow song, and live, I just feel like his raspy voice is just makes it sweet. You know, it makes yeah. it a sweet song for him, and, and these are the kinds of songs I feel like he's kind of best at. You know, he's he's a bit of a crooner. You know, we, we like the worst off of Voodoo Lounge. Mm-hmm. This is sweeter than that, even. I don't know. I, I, I think it's a great song. I, yeah, yes, I like this song, too. I think this was the other single. Or, or another single off, or at least they played it on the radio a lot right. when the record came out. Yeah, it really is. Like, if you listen to it, and not, if you don't listen to the lyrics, it's kind of like, it's kind of sad. But then when he's, when you listen to what he's saying, you know, I hate it when you're leaving me. You're like, yeah, you know, it is, it's sad, but it's sweet at the same time. And I really thought when you listen to, when you listen to Voodoo Lounge and you listen to Steel Wheels, the Keith tracks, I mean, the worst, that's a great song. Yeah. But it, a lot of the other ones, these are better songs. And I kind of wish that maybe they had been on those records that would have been, they would have made it, like it would have made Steel Wheels a lot cooler to me. And not that it's not a cool record, but I like that. I like the these songs that he sings better than the ones on those records. It's just a perfect song for him to sing. Well, and I, I think it's a lot better than some stuff on Voodoo Lounge, too. I mean, he's got another song, Voodoo Lounge, through and through, that is really cool. Had a great mm-hmm. spot on The Sopranos once at the end of the show. But, you know, a lot of the songs on that record aren't amazing. And and the big Love is Strong, the big single that they came out with, with them walking through the buildings in the video... That's that's a wicked as it seems takeoff, right? You say, yeah, you know, yeah. mix like, hey, can you write like like that for me? You know, so, <laughs> so I mean, th- if he didn't do this record, that record, Voodoo Lounge, most certainly would have been better. I have no doubt. Or if he mixed those these songs yep. into there, absolutely it would have. All right, well, now he gets into. Another from the Stones days off of Some Girls Before They Make Me Run. This is classic Keith. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad they put this one on there because it's, I don't want to say it's forgotten, but it's not, it's not as big as Happy. That's, that's his big, that's his his signature Stones tune. Right. This is a great one too. And then, you know, it's just that sentiment of, you know, I got to walk before they make me run. I got to get out of here before they they catch me. Song about drugs and being in trouble. I mean, that was his (laughs) life in the mid to late seventies, really most of the seventies, let's be honest with you until they cleaned up in about 78. But yeah, got to move while it's still fun. And that's what the winos are to him, right? The winos are fun. The, the stones. Yeah, it's great, but it's also, it's a big job. It's a lot of moving parts. You know, there's a lot of people to deal with. Just like the new barbarians were his fun after he got clean and he had to go out with Ronnie and do that for a while. It's like, all right, well, if I'm, yeah. you know, we're, all right, we're not in the stones right now. Right. Let's get, Let's get the winos together and go do that. And so, yeah, it's it's great to it's great that he can and still I think do that. Too, when you hear it live, you can tell how how great these musicians are together. 
like how tight they are, how they can, you know, kind of play off of each other. And so I, I think that you, not that the Stones aren't great musicians, but I mean, these guys are professional gunslingers, right. you know, like who's the best, everybody knows, you know, if you look at like the resumes for any of these guys, like is Waddy Waddell a household name? No. Yeah, but then you start looking at his catalog, like, wait a minute, this guy's worked with everybody, both on production, songwriting, playing, you know, the same with Steve Jordan, the same with Ivan Neville and all those Charlie Drayton, all these guys oh. that he had together on this band. Yeah, it was just I'm sure once he had that thought and started making phone calls, they just came running to to get together and play with him. Well, I feel like it's Steve Jordan who's got the Rolodex. It's like you get Steve Jordan and then all he, he's got <laughs> everybody. everybody else man. Is in. Yeah, he's got them all, you know, and like who's in New York, who's around, who can come in. He's got everybody. All right, we need someone to play Tim Penny. All right, I got three guys I can call. You know, whatever it yeah. is. You know, he, he just gets folks in for it. That's another reason why I just want to see him live. It's like, I could see any of those guys. Like, I could see, you know, Ivan Neville playing with his brothers, or I could see Waddy maybe on tour with Stevie Nicks sometime, maybe, or something like mm-hmm. that. Obviously, but it, when would you see all those guys together at once? Like, that would be so awesome. Yeah. All right, Eileen, which, was that a single? I feel like that got some radio play, too. Or maybe it's just because it was right after Wicked As It Seems. But, and, and like you pointed out before, it's really kind of hard now for me to discern that, because we played this so much that, I mean, I don't know, was that on the CD? Was it on the radio? I don't know. But we listened to the song a lot. A lot. A lot, people. Mm-hmm. We wore it out. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. <laughs> but that opening strum is very Keith. It's very, yeah. very Keith. And the guitar break is right on. You know, these days, Keith does take some notes off and sometimes just kind of hits the big ones when he needs to because he's got this kind of orchestra behind him but this is you know he's not taking any notes off he's playing it and you know when you've got a new song and it's one of i think it's one of the better songs on the record it's certainly one of the most accessible i feel like like exactly was it played on the radio it could have been it sounds like that on the rock station we listened to they probably played it some but you know i think it's it's a really good one i mean you got to sing about a girl it's got some good Core changes it. I mean, this is this is one of the better ones on the record. I feel like. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely could have been a single, and it it is one of the it's the one of the signature tunes off the record. So yeah, I'm glad they included it in the live set because it does sound good live. I don't. I mean, I don't think there's one of these songs that that doesn't sound good live. I agree with that. that that's what they're built for. I mean, they're. I feel like they're all written out of jams, and mm-hmm. so they, they're playing it live together, and then they find the groove, they find the the melody, you know, the chords sequence it's working for everybody then you can slap the lyrics on it sometimes it's a little bad and that sometimes because they kind of morph out of each other some of them can sound a little bit the same uh, and that's what i feel about some of these tracks right but overall i still think they're great and will but you won't i mean great keith riff to start off with could this be a stone song see i say no because i can't really see how mick would fit in here it would obviously be very different. Um, then you should just stop right there. Because <laughs> I think that's the that's because that's the thing. If Mick can't fit in the song, it's not a stone song. I know that on the I remember when they did Steel Wheels, he he started to have a couple of songs where I don't even know if he played the guitar, but he had it with him. Uh-huh. So it gave the appearance of that. So I think that he no, he can't like he can't take a song off. He's gotta be part of it. So yeah, if it doesn't have a clear part for him, no, it's not going to happen. I really feel like both of these will, but you won't, and then right into body talks. Mm -hmm. These sounded like jams that then they kind of worked backwards and made into songs. Probably so, yeah. And they're jamming hard on this, but Keith's on the guitar. Like like I said before, sometimes he'll take some notes off these days. He's not taking any riffs off. He's right on it here. Mm -hmm. I get the feeling he liked this one because will, but you won't. It wasn't bad. On the record, it was the second to last track, so sometimes we didn't make it all the way to the end, <laughs> right? And it does sound a little bit like Body Talk, too. But I think live, this is one of the best ones on here. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, I like the way that they're playing, and and who knows, maybe now we've gotten far enough into the show where everybody's warmed up, everybody's grooving. I think if you're if you're doing this, or if you're playing in the band, you have to realize that it's. I mean, it's Keith Richards, right? Like right. he's the he's the star. Everybody, so you kind of have to get on the same page with what he's doing, and if he wants to change it up a little bit, you have to change. So it, it's almost like you're you're kind of waiting. He's like the band leader. And so you're kind of waiting to see what he's doing. And, right. and everybody in the band is good enough where that's not going to mess them up. Well, that's right. No, these like guys. If you, are... if, yeah, like if you change, if you, you know, slow it down, or they'll just 
kind of fall in line behind you. And I kind of feel like now that's where we are. That just let him run and we'll fill in behind what he's doing. Yeah, no, I, I, you're right about that. Yeah. And, and this is when they, you know, they're, they're, they deviate a little bit from the set list or they start to leave a few things out at this point. You know, they, they're going to start, they're going to do body talks, but they take out, you know, I could have stood you up. Um, they take out connection on the record here. Now we get into body talks and yeah, I mean, there's a the little happy anniversary to Patty because I didn't realize this. They got married on Keith's birthday. Like they got married on Keith's 40th oh. birthday, December 18th in 1983. She was about 26 or 27, something like that. <laughs> but no, but you think about that. Oh, 40 and he, she's 27. Oh, it's so different. But now that he's 78, well, look, she's 65. I mean, look, she, she looks amazing for 65. There's really not that big of a difference anymore, you know? Right, right. Not, yeah. And, and, and yeah. I mean, she was she was not a – I mean, she was a big-time model when he married her. So, I mean, it wasn't like, oh, yeah, I, you know, she was working at a Target or something. <laughs> that's for that sure, in, yeah. in Des Moines, Iowa. So, yeah, I mean, she, she was a worldly person. So I think that's probably why it worked out for him. And I, I actually knew a guy who did some work at Keith's house in Connecticut for him. And he just said that she was just a very sweet person. Like Keith was kind of in, he lives in his own world. Yeah. She's the person that kind of grounds him to reality. Like this guy was telling me that after he was done, I mean, he got paid, but he also got like, uh, I think he got a signed guitar and he got uh, tickets to, to one to a show or something. And he was like, that was all her. Like, I know that she impressed upon him what a big fan I was. Mm-hmm. And so she got it done. Like, well, that's, that's cool. I mean, that's just a, I mean, just a nice person. And I think that's what he needs to navigate the world that most people don't live in. Like Keith, yeah, we don't all, you know, get up at two o'clock in the afternoon and do whatever we want. So come back to earth, baby. Here we go. Well, yeah. And she, you know, they live in Connecticut because that's where she grew up. That's where her family's from, you know, they Mm -hmm. met at what studio 54 in 1979 and have been together ever since. And, you have no doubt that they're still deeply in love. I saw the most amazing picture a few months ago. I think it was on social media. And Keith was sitting there kind of cross-legged with a guitar in his hand, strumming a little bit with a kind of a funny look on his face. And the kids were around or whatever. Patty was sitting behind him. So he couldn't see her, but she was looking at him and listening to him. And she had this huge ear-to-ear grin on her face. Like, that's my man. And that's what he does. He plays that guitar and he does it as well as anybody who's ever done it. And she was just, she was beaming. She was so happy. Uh, and I'm like, wow, man, that's that's when you found it. And Keith, despite everything he did to himself and to other people, hey, man, he found the right one for him. And then and who knows, maybe that's what kept him going all those years, too. I mean, had he had he, you know, married somebody who it didn't work out or it was you know, well, or he got married the, five times or something like that. Right, you know? right, right. Like I look at the I look at the Paul McCartney Heather Mills thing. I mean, you know, he he married her after Linda died. That was just it. Just was horrendous. And so it was that. Yeah, had he been married five times after that, would he still even be around today? Who knows? I mean, I, I really do do think that she keeps him tethered to the earth. And it, other than that, he would have just floated away into outer space. He might have. Yeah, he might have. <laughs> All right, well, quick on Body Talks, after the happy anniversary, and hey, we're only nine now, he intros the band. And then Sarah's doing a lot of, like, talking while Keith is is singing, you know, and he'll sing, and then she'll do a little talking, almost like some jive talking, like, up in his grill, you know, kind of thing. But, you know, and I like the chord changes for the mini bridge, but you give Sarah another chance to shine here, and it's a little bit of a jam at the end. It's a little different from, it's it's not way different, but it's a little bit different from the way they do it on the record. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that it works. Again, I think that a lot of these songs were stuff that they were fooling around with. So if that's the case, if there really is no concrete structure to it, you can stretch it out. You can kind of put these bridges in, rework it a little bit, and it's not that big of a deal. It, it just flows. Well, and actually, real quick, you know, you were talking about Connection yeah. and how they did not put it on this record. I'm glad they didn't because that the one from the Hollywood Palladium was so it was such a great version. It, there's no way it could have been better. It would have just kind of been like, man, I like the other one better. You're right about that for sure. And I remember seeing the video. It looks like Keith is walking off the stage and Waddy, you know, they're walking off the stage and then Steve just goes into that sick drum beat, you know, like, <laughs> bah, 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 bah. and there's, it's got a lot of pop to it. And I remember Waddy looking like, uh, 
are we going? Are we doing this? What? And Keith's just like, oh, all right, yeah. And then he went right into it, and I'm like, oh, that was so hot. That was so good. So you're right. They couldn't have done it better. I'm sure it was right. still good, but they, they couldn't have done it better. If you listen to that song, the connection, like the original, I think it was Between the Buttons or something. That's right. You made this a thousand times better. I mean, okay, I, I granted it was recorded a long time ago, but it, it's just it's so much better live and to hear them do that. Is it just makes it? It gave it a whole other life because I remember when we heard that I was like, I don't even remember. I don't even know that. I know because it doesn't sound the same. Yeah. (laughs) But he's been doing it with the Stones, and he did it on the last tour, and so and so you never know. Now it, it used to be he had Happy and maybe something else. Like when you see him live, you get happy and then you get one of his new songs off the record, you know, like when we get the worst right. on Voodoo Lounge or, you know, whatever it would be the new one. But now that he's got so many, he can't, he doesn't even have to do happy every time. And he, he still does before yeah. Make Me Run and Little TNA. And, and so if he did Connection, if he does Connection live when I see him, my head might explode. That might just be the end of me. That might be the, yeah, okay. Well, at least we know that going into it. And what happened to him? Well, they played Connection and, well, you know the rest. His head exploded. That's right. <laughs> but, okay, but so moving into something they did put on the last album or the live album, Happy, here, okay? I feel like it's a little bit of an odd opening to me. Okay. It doesn't seem the kind of smooth that he usually does it with the Stones. I think Waddy kind of makes it good. But I do feel like he's singing it more than shouting. I feel like with the Stones, there's so much noise okay. behind him. He, maybe he feels like he has to sing it louder. Or maybe it's just the recording's better. I don't know. But it, it feels like he's singing a little bit more than maybe what I'm used to, which is nice. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I would agree with that. I When I when this thing arrived via the Amazon people, and I looked at the, I looked at the track listing, because that's what I like to do first, eight minutes and 31 seconds of happy uh okay but it works because you know they just extend the jam out but i think it's like it's a it's a pretty short song on the record yeah so they do a nice job of and again they've been playing you know they they can play together so well that i mean they could have made it probably 15 or 20 minutes without without going too long yeah i I feel like at first it was a little slow it was maybe just a little bit slow but but then they you know they start to jam i think i think appeal picks up and there's this one point with you know Five minutes into the song, where you feel like, okay, now they're coming to an end, and they they ramp it back up and they do another <laughs> couple of minutes. But you know, look, you you want to see him sing happy. It's what you want. If you go see Keith Richards, just Keith Richards live. Obviously, not every song you would love to hear him play is he going to play. But yeah. you gotta you gotta figure there's got to be a ninety five to ninety nine percent chance he's going to play happy. Right. Yeah. That is that is his signature tune within the band. Although I am I am kind of glad that. It, because uh, Ronnie Wood does those uh, set list pictures that he sells yeah, mm-hmm. uh, from the different shows. It's cool to see that. And yeah, it, it's cool to see that they're putting in different things and giving him maybe a, a one or two more chances to sing on the set list. I don't know if that's if he's lobbying for that or just it, that's just the way it fits. But yeah, he's got a lot of great songs. In fact, you know, you infamously made me the, like the greatest hits of Keith Richards years ago right including stuff from new barbarians and yeah he could you could do a whole set just his stone songs and have it be great by the way that little troublemaker song that's on that that i put as the new barbarians it's actually nicky hopkins solo album but he made it with like the new barbarians maybe minus keith so it it probably shouldn't be in there but it was such a cool song and i knew you didn't know it so i'm like it sounds like it it does doesn't it yeah yeah Yeah, i mean it i mean you couldn't you couldn't but you'd have a hard time talking me out of that but i mean it's a great tune yeah no i I hope you still like that i i think because that computer's dead now i never made one of those for myself so i might need you to rip those (laughs) to bring it to me so i I definitely i definitely (laughs) still have a copy of that oh that's awesome well, you mentioned Ronnie's set list thing. I said, oh, yeah, those are nice. That's kind of cool. That'd be a good souvenir. So I assume right. that if they do one from Hyde Park, I'll be shelling out for one of those. Um, Ooh, that's that's going to be, yeah, that's going to be, that <laughs> might have to be a Christmas birthday double up because those things are not cheap. Yeah. But, they're really, but they're really cool. And if we will, you know, I think we talked about this on, we're getting off on a tangent here. 
when when Crossroads came out, the Eric Clapton box set. And yep. oh, this is really cool. Wait, Ronnie Wood did the picture like from the Rolling Stones, Ronnie Wood? Yeah, he's a really good artist. Yes, he's so very sound. Yeah. All right. So but you know, at the end of that song though, Jackson, mm-hmm. it's like, hey, thanks, best birthday I ever had. The, the crowd sick breaks into happy birthday, which may have actually happened earlier in the show, but they, they piped that in at, at this point on the on the record. So he turned 49 that day. In 92, okay. In, in 92 in London. I'm going to be turning 49 in London this summer. You've recently turned 49, not too far away from his birthday. I remember people <laughs> thinking Keith was so old at 49. And here I am at 49 thinking, God damn, yeah, I do feel old. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, you know, sometimes my back makes me feel very old, but then otherwise I'm like, well, I still think basically the same way I did while I was in college sometimes, you know, I'm, I still dress the same when my wife will let me get away with it. So it's it's not, 49 is not that old, even though like some mornings like, oh, 49, hi there. Yeah. And you figure you've not done quite the amount of damage that Keith did to himself at 49. No, no, I don't think I'm going to be able to catch up with him on that score. <laughs> All right, let's whip, let's whip it up. Let's wind it up with Whip It Up, the last one on here. Again, this feels like one that came out of jam. And, you know, the, it starts with chords that don't seem to make any sense. It doesn't sound quite like it did on the record. But then Steve comes in to steady it, and then I think it gets it pulls together, and it's it's kind of it's not my fave, but the long jam at the end makes it like okay, well I'm glad you know they put that on here. So that's interesting. Do you think that was on purpose, or do you think there was like a little bit of a miscue, and then Steve has to say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, we're getting off track here. I'll fix this. I don't know. I mean, a lot of the songs basically begin with Keith coming out like, here's the power riff, you know, whatever it is. He's done that for a lot of the songs on this record. So it's not like it doesn't fit sonically or it doesn't match what they're doing. It just it just seemed like it was a little off to me or I was having a hard time following it versus the way it was solidly done on the record. I don't know. But, yeah, no, I think I think Steve is you can't say he's the leader of the band because that's that's Keith for sure. But. I don't know. He, it's like he's the rudder. Yeah, it's almost like I didn't. I watched baseball for a long time, and I as, as a kid, and I never really realized that the the umpire. I'm not the umpire. The, the catcher, catcher, because he's telling everybody, just telling everybody what to do. That's the way the drummer is. The drummer is. Yeah, you're. I mean, he he sets the groove. If he falls apart, and this was always Charlie Charlie Watts's great talent is that they have to. You have to set it because if you fall off, everything just it would just the train would come off the tracks. Right. So yeah, they, they are, I think if you play live and you kind of get a little, you kind of wander off into the weeds, that's what brings you back is the drumming. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, Steve, Steve's on top of it and he wrote all these songs, you know, Mm co-producing, you know, he, he knows how it all goes. So let him get back there and, and keep the beat there. Absolutely. So yeah, I don't love that one. In fact, Running Too Deep, which is on, was the eighth song on the record mm-hmm. that, that's not on the live bit. I think it's a little bit like Whip It Up as far as the style of song, but I, I think I like that one a little bit better of the two of them. Well, here's always the, the hard part with live or greatest hits records. There's always going to be, well, why'd you put that one on there? And you didn't put this one on there. You're not going to make everybody happy. So you're going to have to live with some kind of, well, why didn't they do that? How come they didn't put that on there? Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. I don't think that's the best tune on there, but I mean, it's what we've got. So you kind of have to, you kind of have to live with it. Well, right. You know, and look, Keith's lived in the Caribbean for years and and he's got a definite reggae bent to him. And he and Peter Tosh had a thing going for a while. So Words of Wonder, which is the, uh, with the fourth song on the record, it's got a reggae bent to it. But they did Too Rude, the old Stones cover. So, you know, they, they don't necessarily have to do two reggae songs. So Too Rude didn't make it on the live bit, but they were doing that live. So they don't do words of, of wonder on it. Charlie's bass is all over that song. I think it's great, but it's it's just one I guess they decided not to do live. Were you talking about words of wonder? Yeah. I don't know if that would have... Yeah, that would have been, I don't know if that would have fit in this set list. I mean, it, it's a great song, but it's real slow. Yeah, the bass is killer on that, but I just think that maybe they would have just said, well, it would, it would. It was almost like a stumble to put that in there. It just doesn't fit. Yeah, maybe so. And then the other two songs off the record that, that they didn't play, at least didn't release on the live bit here, are Yap Yap 
and Demon. And okay. these are both very mellow songs. You know, these these would be big mm-hmm. pace changers, you know, for the most part. And he already has, you know, Hate It When You Leave on there, which is a pretty chill song. You know, he wants he wants to kind of keep the the energy up, you know, at the rock concert. You don't want to bring it down. But I love both of those songs. And he does Time Is On My Side, which kind of brings things down to a, you know, to a chill. Mm-hmm. He did do Yap Yap Live. It's just he didn't put it on the live bit here. But he, I don't know that they ever really did Demon. It, it seems like it would be an evil song. Oh, he's singing about Demon. But, you know, he's, yeah, there's a demon in me. But it's like chill. It's it's not so much bluesy as it is like a blues folk song, almost. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a little different. Yeah, I, I like that tune. You're right. The first time I saw it, like the track listing, I'm like, ooh, yeah, what is this going to be? You know, I'm a demon. No, it's, it's there's, yeah, there's things going on inside of you that you can't, like, I mean, he's, he's got a line in there, but I can't, demon to me, but I can't live without it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, what, what does that refer to? Well, line up, because there's a lot of stuff. That's right. And then, yep, and then, yep, yep. It's, you know, you're always talking, yep, yep, who, what's, what's that about? Who could he possibly be talking about with somebody who won't shut up? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> I hear you talking, and here's me walking. You know. <laughs> but it's, it's a lot more chill than, say, like, George Thorogood's You Talk Too Much. <laughs> Whereas the, the oh, chorus is, shut up. Shut <laughs> up. Hi, this is Christy Alexander Hallberg, author of the novel Searching for Jimmy Page, and you're listening to the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock Podcast. It's a classic record. I'm really glad they gave this uh, gave us this live bit. It'd be great to see a DVD at some point, like an official one. I don't know if that'll happen or not. Jane Rose, you need to get on that, dear. But it's great to relive this record, to revisit it, to hear the stuff. Great that Keith is feeling good, you know, that the winos got together one more time, and that, hey, going to get to see the Stones one more time in Europe, at least. So, yeah, hey. If they were going to redo this record for the anniversary, I'm I'm glad. Because, I mean, you've got to do something for it, right? You can't just put the record back out again. So you've got to have extra tracks. You've got to have something. So to have this mini concert included, I think that was the way to go on this thing. Because that's really what you wanted to hear. This this These songs were built to play live. So I'm glad that they included this. The sound is great on it. I mean, sometimes, you know, maybe you, because they, I don't think this is the first time they've ever released this, right? Yeah, to the best of my knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. So then, you know, did you ever really mean to do this? So sometimes when that happens, maybe the, the sound quality isn't that great because it was kind of an afterthought. But I mean, this sounds really great. It sounds like you're really there at the show kind of warts and all you know you kind of hear sometimes things fade in and out like maybe you were a little too far away from the microphone and they didn't clean it up so it sounds good it sounds like you were there i'm i'm glad they took it in this direction and i'm glad that they kind of mixed up the packaging a little bit like on the cover it's just a picture without the without the script on it for the main offender right and so but then if you open it up they do give you the original cover but i just think it, it's kind of cool that the pictures in it are great the notes like you mentioned before of you know just kind of scratching down stuff that's coming out of your head it just kind of adds to the packaging and i'm glad they did it this way you're right no very nice digibook they call this again you can get like the 300 dollars version with the lps and the cds and the book and the book looked amazing but i'm not gonna pay 300 bucks for a book i don't think <laughs> you know this is gonna sit there gathering dust most of the time amazing collectors and you know having the ticket stub in there is really neat i mean yeah it's it's a nice little package here for the average man for the standard mm-hmm. consumer you could have just bought the remastered disc, original disc. They did have that option available as well. So I highly recommend it to any Keith fan or even a Stones fan. Come check it out. Yeah, especially if for whatever reason you didn't hear this. I can't imagine you wouldn't. But I mean, again, I don't remember it getting as much press as Talk is Cheap. So if you missed it the first time out, definitely pick this up because you will not be disappointed. <laughs> Well, that wraps episode 97 of the Ugly American Werewolf in London Rock podcast on Keith Richards' main offender, 30th anniversary edition, something that was big for both of us in college. I know all the other kids were listening to the the grunge and all that stuff, but I don't know, Keith Richards was legit. We loved the Steel Wheels. We were so happy that the Stones came back into our world. It was his second solo album, first after they had gone back together and done Steel Wheels, and it just, it, it meant a lot to us. It got play on rock radio 
And it was a real big go-to for us. Plus, it's Keith, you know. And we were actually kind of hoping we'd get more winos. But then, of course, the next year, 94, they would do Voodoo Lounge and do another huge world tour. And that would be the, the first time Jackson and I saw the Stones together. So this one's always going to hold a special place in our heart. It's one that we've had on the shelf for a while, but we're glad to put it out here. October 19th is the 30th anniversary date. You're going to be seeing things on social media all about it, hopefully in the big press as well. And we just wanted you to hear our take on it on the new live bit. And we love Keith. I was so glad I got to see Keith two more times this summer, be able to take my daughter. Special, special moments in my rock and roll journey while in London. So we have to ask you folks, hey, did we get something right? Did we get something wrong? We missed the point. Did we leave out your favorite part? You have got to let us know. You email us uglyamericanwerewolf at gmail.com or shoot us a tweet or a DM at ugly underscore werewolf at actionjack72. We're also on Instagram. We're also on YouTube. And we thank our sponsors, rarevinyl.com. Remember, Rare Vinyl has over a quarter million items in stock and will ship anywhere in the world to get you that pristine, classic, first edition copy of an LP, a CD, a tour program, whatever it is you're looking for. And you can use code PODCAST, just P-O-D-C-A-S-T, to get 10% off not only your first order, but every order you make. Go to EIL.com or RareVinyl.com. Of course, we thank our friends at Pantheon Media. We're so proud to be sponsoring Nick Mason's Saucer Full of Secrets U.S. Tour. Make sure you go to PantheonPodcast.com backslash Nick Mason to enter to win a VIP experience, including two front row seats. And if you come to Indianapolis on October 14th, you might just get to meet us. We'd love to meet you. We'd love to know who's listening to the show, who loves Pink Floyd, and who's going to be out there that night. So please come by and see us. Next week, we've got some special surprises, some fun stuff coming up on The Wolf. Don't want to get... I can't even tell you what exactly we'll be doing on the next show, but just know we are excited, and I'm going to be coming to the States before too long here. Very excited about that. Haven't been to America in more than 16 months. I'm really looking forward to it. See some family, see some friends, see Nick Mason's saucer full of secrets at Close Hall. All right, folks, listen, all you rock and rollers all over the world, be cool and stay safe. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.